how long have you been lifting weights? Hey, so yeah, I started lifting weights my freshman year of high school, maybe a little bit before that, a little bit in eighth grade, uh, but with some intent freshman year of high school, getting ready for football season, track season. Um, so that would be 21 years now, 21 going okay. on 22 years. How long did you play football on track? Uh, football was just a high school thing. And then track, I uh, competed all through high school. College was a two-time NAIA national champion in the shot put. And then for one year as a post-collegiate. Okay, cool. And then when specifically did you start competing in powerlifting? Yeah, so my track career came to an end in the 2010 outdoor track season. Um, so like, like I mentioned, I was national champion at, for smaller schools in college in 2009. Um, my coach, a guy named Len Blutrick, who had coached me junior, senior year of high school and junior, senior year of college, uh, passed away from cancer pretty shortly after I graduated college. Um, and then I had also started Juggernaut then in the fall of 2009. Uh, so I go through that season, but you know, between working, uh, it was probably about 70 hours a week at that point in our first gym and trying to compete in track and field at you know, the professional level, uh, more or less, I threw a Olympic B standard in the, in the shot put, uh, and doing it with no coach, I kind of <laughs> ran out of gas mm -hmm. on that side of things and decided, well, I'm already strong. So, uh, I can just kind of cut half of my training out the, the part where I got to go out and throw and just keep doing the lifting. And so did my first powerlifting meet in October of 2010, which was funny enough, the, the first ever USPA meet, uh, that they ever had. Okay. And how did you do? Uh, quite well. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I squatted 800 in wraps at 308, benched 210 kilos, 462, and deadlifted uh, 700. Okay. 1962 total, which at the time, and it's crazy to, to you know, when I say this, how far powerlifting has come, but when I did that, that was tied for the third highest 308s total in the world. Wow. Uh, was Andre Milanichev was first. A uh, guy by the name of Dan Kovacs was second in the low. So Milanichev was 2100-something, you know, I think 2135 stands out in my mind. Dan Kovacs was like 2050. And then Ernie Lillibridge Sr. and I were tied at 1962. And now, you know, there are, I think, 181s who have probably done that, that total. Uh -huh. So pretty remarkable how, how far it has come. Awesome. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. So that was about 12 years ago. Can you give us a quick rundown of what your powerlifting career has looked like? Yeah, so I competed in powerlifting for probably a shorter time than, than most people may realize. Uh, uh -huh. But just from 2010 to 2016, I ended up... Yeah, you know, sort of the highlights in there were I squatted 905, 411 kilos uh, in wraps in the 140 kilo, the 308 pound class, which at the time was the American record. 
in that. Um, I broke John Cole's record, which had stood since the 70s. Um, total 2160, yeah, 2165 at 308 in wraps. And then, so that was 2010, 11. And then in 2012, I uh, shifted over and started competing in strongman. Uh, did my first contest, St. Patrick's Day, so March, whatever that is, March 17th, I think, uh, 2012. I signed up for that about six days beforehand and then went on to that year win uh, North American Strongman Nationals uh, that November, I think in my fourth contest and became a professional strongman, big air mm -hmm. quotes, uh, professional mm -hmm. strongman. I'm still waiting for those checks to roll in. <laughs> uh, and then in 2013, kind of went back and forth, uh, one powerlifting meet, one strongman contest, one powerlifting meet, one strongman contest, which I would not suggest uh, doing, or at least if you're going to do it, I did, so two powerlifting meets and two strongman contests and squad 700 for 10 in the animal cage at the Arnold, all in the first five months of 2013. Uh, so kind of one big event a month. And then my big event in the sixth month was uh, herniating a couple discs in my back. So rehab that, came back uh, 2014, first meet back, squatted 937 uh, for 2248 total in wraps, then totaled 2314 in wraps over a meet in Australia, GPA Worlds. Did one meet in sleeves, which I wish I would have only done meets and sleeves ever in, in hindsight, but uh, when I started in 2010, sleeves weren't really the the in thing. It was even wraps weren't really the in thing in 2010. Multiply powerlifting was the in thing, but uh, you know I started in wraps and that was kind of the records and stuff I was concerned with. So I did the one meet in sleeves, did a 22-26 total there, and then eventually uh, finished with a 2325 1055 kilos as my best total as a super heavy the 970 pound squat uh, 440 kilos my best bench was 567 uh, 257 and a half kilos and uh, deadlifted 370 kilos uh, which is 815 dang why did you end up calling it quits you know, I, when I, even when I started powerlifting, I was what, 24. I always kind of knew I didn't plan on doing it that long. I said, I, I wanted to, to stop at 30 with no surgery scars. And I did my last meet, you know, four months after my 30th birthday. And though I'd had the herniated discs at that point, I hadn't had surgery for it. I have since had surgery for it. Uh, but, I, you know, I think coming from a, a more diverse, sport background in track and field where the training is a bit more dynamic and then doing powerlifting uh, in between, or sorry, doing strongman in between. Powerlifting just kind of got a bit redundant to me. Uh, I felt, you know, pretty satisfied with my accomplishments there. It's getting, you know, sometimes internet commenters will be like, oh, this guy doesn't even compete anymore. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, Tell me, tell me when 23-25 total is not good anymore, and then we can talk about how I don't compete anymore. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to put more attention towards 
the business of juggernaut training systems at that point and being a coach and it's very difficult to you know ride two horses with one ass or three horses even the the competitor lift or competitor coach and uh small business owner horses so i just chose to put my attention towards the coaching and and continuing to grow the business of jts got it i'm going to ask you about jts but let's loosen it up a little bit and i just want to hear what do you like to do outside of business and powerlifting yeah well i do a lot of things outside powerlifting now because <laughs> i don't do powerlifting right yeah i, I started training jujitsu in 2017 uh so i usually you know train uh, about three three times a week now it was more for a bit but uh five well three three surgeries in the last three years have kind of taken my competitive jujitsu and turned it into recreational jujitsu uh play golf um yeah those would be the the two the two main jujitsu golf okay yeah. and you used to have a podcast called beers with chad a lot have more a episodes beer? of the jug, the jug life podcast um and then beers with chad right. as well which i always say that i'm going to start doing again uh, though if i start doing it again i'm going to rebrand it as and call it the total chad podcast like in the <laughs> sense like ah oh, this guy's a total chad um, <laughs> and when i was doing a lot of the jug life podcast and interviewing powerlifters and weightlifters and strength coaches and stuff in the same way that doing powerlifting kind of got a bit redundant to me doing yeah those interviews, I was like, all right, I, I know how to train the squat. <laughs> I'm not that interested right. in, in asking other people how they do it all the time. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of, I've, I've got a bit more like, diverse interest in yeah. you know, business and these other sports and finance and, and pop culture and stuff. So one day I'm going to get off my ass and actually start doing that again, seriously. Yeah, I, it's it's so fun, but I'm sure it was just a lot of like what you just said, numbers after numbers after numbers. And yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have a favorite beer? If I had to go to one number one favorite beer, I'd probably say Alpine Brewing uh, Duet. It's a IPA from a, a brewery down in kind of inland San Diego here, or there's a, a really good brewery uh, here in Costa Mesa where I live called Green Cheek and nice. whatever, you know. 10 different beers they've got on tap that day could be, could be, could be my favorite of the day. <laughs> got it. <laughs> you put that, that logo you did have was awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was like the IPA. I forget what it was, but it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Blue-eyed IPA. Right. Some people, yeah, some people were looking, some people were looking for that in stores. I didn't realize that was, that was a one of one mock-up there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. All right. Uh, so yeah, let's chat about the beginning of juggernaut training systems i guess before that i would like to ask when did you actually start coaching others i became a coach when i was 19 years old yeah. uh coaching high school football and track running the off-season program um so i was coaching while i was in college uh, my last three years of college so i got you know me and about 80 high school football players every every day uh so that was a fun experiment yeah, you know, and managing a big group dynamic, yep. sports psychology, training with a bunch of uh, very eager guinea pigs. It's funny as I, I look at the, you know, think about the training that those guys did then and 
how much simpler training I design now is. Uh, it's probably a testament to, you know, what, whatever that as you go through kind of different stages of understanding, things become more and more simplified. Um, yeah, so I started coaching when I was 19. Um, then open juggernaut straight out of college. Um, I'd had a offer to go and be the shot put and discus coach at the University of California, Berkeley, which is where I began my college career on a track scholarship freshman and sophomore year there. Uh, but, you know, Berkeley is a really expensive place. Uh, first year assistant track coaches don't make very much money. And because I wanted to continue training uh, track and field as well, I was really going to be looking at, you know, coaching my own training and probably having to have another job, uh, you know, like a bouncer or something to be able to pay the bills there. Mm -hmm. So I ended up ultimately passing on that. And when I did so, uh, a physical therapist who I'd worked with uh, heard that I was not taking that, that job. And in my year working through some, some different, you know, little injuries with, with her, we just sort of talked about, oh, what would you be interested in doing after college? And I brought up this idea of, of running a sport performance gym. So when I declined that job at, at Berkeley, uh, she approached me like, hey, would you be interested in talking more about doing that, that gym idea? So, uh, you know, I graduated college in May 2009. Then about June 1st, started writing, you know, what I considered to be a business plan. Um, you know, as a history major, because mm -hmm. kind of intent before that was, oh, maybe I'll, I'll keep coaching high school football, become a, become a teacher, become a head coach, do that kind of stuff, uh, which I would have done terribly with, because uh, if you're a teacher and a high school coach, you have a bunch of people who are your boss, and I've, I've never really done well with that. So uh, I wasn't really prepared to write a business plan, just kind of Googling, like, how to write a business plan. But did that along with uh, one of my good buddies from, from our college track team. Uh, so I was kind of the strength guy. He was a sprinter, so he was going to be more of our speed coach in sport performance stuff. We write a business plan June 1st, kind of pitch it to her July 1st. She gives us a little bit of seed investment to get started. August 1st, get a sign the lease on a warehouse here in, uh, in Orange County, California, September 1st are open for business. Um, with essentially starting with zero clients, you know, I, I wasn't coming from a personal training background. I was coming from the high school coaching background and I'd done a little bit of outside, uh, you know, kind of private training, but, but it was all football stuff. And when you start in September, football is in season. So those kids weren't going to be coming to train. So it was very much cold calling, going out to events, you know, club soccer tournaments and club volleyball tournaments and water polo and just kind of meeting coaches and, and presenting to them the idea, uh, you know, the ideas about how we felt we could help them. Uh, one of the first clients I came about was a gentleman named Fabio Vilela Giganchino, who was like a six foot seven, 250 pound Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And uh, so that kind of first introduced me to, to the jiu-jitsu community back then in 2009 and really grew uh, within that uh, up until even when I started training it my, myself. But, but yeah, so 
it was, you know, it was just a whole different world. I think people who are, you know, if, if they came into the powerlifting world or the internet fitness and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, and it's so rapidly changing where 2022 is very different than 2019, which is very different than 2016. And I think a lot of people, if they were to go back to 2009 and 2010, and it's just a, a totally a totally different world in, in how things got presented and how many players there were in the space and the level of interest and stuff. So yeah, even though I was competing in powerlifting pretty shortly after we began the the gym and, and juggernaut train systems, we were not a powerlifting gym by any stretch. I, I was training for powerlifting, but everyone that we coached was were sport performance clients. So, you know, like I said, jiu-jitsu, water polo, soccer, football football, basketball, um, lacrosse, all kind of stuff, high school, college, some professional athletes here in the in the Orange County area. It sounds like the way you're describing it, you didn't really have after your cold calling days, it didn't take too long to kind of move forward. Yeah, you know, fortunate in that the area that we're in club club sports and youth sports and high school sports are, are a really big deal and was able to create some good relationships with people who brought us a lot of clients. So we were, we were breaking even within five months, um, like paying ourselves a small salary and breaking even with that in about five months. But, you know, about a year after, um, or maybe 10 months after we opened, I wrote a program that since became the juggernaut method. Um, so in, in June, 2010, when I started training for my first powerlifting meet, I was using this program, this tens, eights, fives, threes wave progression model that we'd been using with a lot of athletes in the gym. And I said, well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and show how well this can work for powerlifting and trained it to the, to the letter for my first powerlifting meet. Um, squatted 800 at that kind of went into the meet thinking like, if I don't squat 800, here, no one will be interested in this book. Um, so, you know, I'll put the pressure on myself and came through on it. And so I did that first meet in October, 2010, and then formatted it into an ebook and everything uh, myself and released that end of November, 2010. So once I did that and it started going really well, and, and I fortunately, uh, had the opportunity to be featured in, in a muscle and fitness magazine, like a seven page article in muscle and fitness at the start of 2011, that, that helped spread awareness about the book a lot. It showed me like, all right, training people all day in this gym is, is fun, but, uh, maybe not the long-term business direction, uh, where, where I want to go. So in 2012, September, 2012, our lease was up on that first location. My co-founder had decided to move back to North Carolina where he was from. Um, so, you know, about two years in of, of doing the ebook and, and writing more articles and more articles, decided to shift the business to more content education, went from leasing my own gym to just subleasing in another space to just train football players. Uh, which is a lot of fun now because some kids from that 2012 group, two of them are, are in the NFL now and I still train them. So that's a, 
always a fun thing. Um, and in that time, so September 2012, move out of the first gym location and make a, a you know a very purposeful shift from coaching from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. a lot of days to just having this one group for two to three hours each afternoon and starting to do seminars and starting to assemble a team of, of authors for jtsstrength.com. And in that next year, September 2012 to September 2013, go from about 250,000 unique visitors to our website a month to 200, sorry, from 25,000 to 250,000 uh, a month in that year time was doing seminars, um, two to two to four seminars uh, a month, uh, which was for me, a lot of red eye flights, a lot of cheap hotels and very small rental cars getting around, but you know, spreading the, spreading the gospel of, <laughs> of, uh, juggernaut train systems at the time, released juggernaut method 2.0 and that, and just kind of keep growing in, in that direction from that point. When you were doing that content, how many different programs, I guess, did you have? Cause I know there's a number of different programs underneath the juggernaut systems umbrella. How did that evolve over time? Yeah. So during that time, you know, I started out with juggernaut method and then we did juggernaut method 2.0, which was kind of just an update. And then I was helping other coaches develop their, uh, you know, brand and voice and programs as well. Probably most notably was the cube method with Brandon Lilly, which came out, uh, also I think in late 2012, uh, or maybe, maybe that was fall 2013 actually. Um, but doing all, all that. So, you know, the, the kind of void that I saw in the market there is I I'd been sponsored by elite FTS in 2009, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. From late 20, 2009 to late uh, summer 2012. Um, and they were focused primarily on powerlifting, some sport performance stuff. Uh, and even within the powerlifting space, more equipped powerlifting than anything else. I had no interest in equipped powerlifting. I, I still don't understand why it exists. Um, so I saw a space for more raw powerlifting content, um, as well as, as CrossFit began growing in that time, kind of delivering subject matter expertise to CrossFitters. Uh, so like, if CrossFitters want to know how to squat, bench, and deadlift better, they're going to ask a powerlifter. If they want to know how to snatch and clean and jerk better, they're going to ask a, a weightlifter or a weightlifting coach. So, you know, I just sort of started to identify this team of we had our weightlifting authors, we had our powerlifting authors, we had our sport performance authors, we had our, our physical therapist, you know, rehab mobility type of authors, we had nutrition authors. So that was, you know, being really the, the first person to give uh, a voice to people like Dr. Quinn Hennock, who was a clinical athlete, you know, his own very notable brand, probably the first published article in that space for, uh, someone like Mike Isretel, Dr. Mike Isretel and Renaissance periodization. Um, so yeah, just, just continue to grow in that space in terms of different program offerings themselves. You know, we've gone through a lot of different iterations of, of that, uh, you know, from these PDF type of programs like the juggernaut method, juggernaut method 2.0, um, cube method, so on and so forth. And that, 
sort of all brought me to what I'm kind of guessing is probably your next question where how we arrived at Juggernaut AI, what we do now. Um, so that Juggernaut AI was really born out of the idea that I was almost mad at myself for contributing to what I saw as a problem in the way that people conceptualize training. You know, if you go on Reddit or, or you know, whatever other kind of message boards that used to exist back in the day, I don't feel like message boards really a thing now, but, <laughs> uh, you know, people ask, oh, what's the best beginner program? What's the best intermediate program? What's the, oh, that's only an advanced program. And that is just a, a flawed way of thinking about training because the principles of which guide training, you know, stuff we talk about in scientific principles of strength training exist in all effective programs. It's how they are applied is the magnitude of like, what does it mean for training to be overloading, uh, to satisfy the principle of overload for a beginner changes to what it is for an intermediate changes to what it is for an advanced athlete from a male to a female, from a lightweight to a heavyweight taking in uh, all these individualized characteristics. And rather than people thinking in the term terms of like, oh, I really like this program, insert name here, you know, juggernaut method, cube method, five, three, one, whatever it is, things that are fixed, they are, you know, not maybe set in stone, but set in, you know, paper and ink uh, that they're all just right. this many sets and this many reps. And whether I buy it or you buy it or, you know, my sister-in-law buys it or, you know, our dad buys it, my dad buys it or something. It's all the same thing, but we obviously don't all have the same needs. So as I was doing more and more of these seminars, I think I did maybe uh, about 250 seminars from 2010 to 20, end of 2019. And it became more and more focused on how to individualize training because people would ask, you know, on its face, what seems like a really simple question. How many times a week should I squat? Very common question get asked. And I would not give them the answer that they wanted, which was probably two times a week is the best. Three times a week is the best because that would be doing a disservice to them. It would be giving them at best incomplete, if at worst, incorrect information. I think there's a lot of coaches who do that because it's either a simpler sell to an audience or they have a simplistic understanding of the nature of training. Uh, so I was, you know, would want to explain why, you know, why one time a week could be appropriate at, for this person in this circumstance and why five or six times a week could be appropriate for this other person to equip them with the knowledge that could help them today three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if they're 16 weeks out from a meet, if they're six weeks out from a meet, if their training partner asks them a question, you know, if they're writing a program for their girlfriend, whatever it is. Um, so as I, you know, got more into the, it depends answers, it came about that, you know, I could just provide a solution for all of those, it depends situations. Um, and create something that makes a program for everyone uh, in the same way as I would if I had the time to sit down and write 10,000 different programs 
Uh, so that's basically what we did with Juggernaut AI is we took all of these individual differences and, you know, ahead of time laid out like, all right, well, if someone is a super heavy versus a lightweight, what changes do we make and why? Male versus female, what changes do we make and why? If they're cutting weight, if they're gaining weight, if they're, you know, 10 weeks out, if they're 16 weeks out, if they are weak off the chest versus weak at lockout in the bench press, if they, you know, struggle off the floor, or they struggle in the mid range of the deadlift and, and determine all, all those, cause they're all pretty knowable factors and the implications they have on the volume that the athlete needs to advance is capable of recovering from. Um, so yeah, that, that was really the, the impetus for, for doing that was to get away from even the idea of like, how many programs do we have? Cause in, in some sense, I guess someone could say, well, we only have one juggernaut AI powerlifting is one system. Mm -hmm. It's a true system. And, and I think that's a word that people use a lot, but it's not really accurate, but how many different programs there are within that is like in the millions Infinite, and millions yeah. of yeah. variations. Yeah. That all makes sense. I mean, it was awesome observation, obviously by you to, to figure that out before really anybody else did, or at least come out with some sort of solution for it in regards to juggernaut AI, what year did you kind of realize that you needed to create something like this? And how long did it actually take to create a product for it, for somebody to use on whatever the first uh, iteration was? And what did that first iteration look like? Yeah, so it started through this spreadsheet process, which is just a very robust spreadsheet uh, in 2018. In terms of how long it took to create, it's kind of hard to say specifically with that because how long it took for me to develop the understanding of like, all right, what magnitude of change does someone who's a beginner versus intermediate versus advanced need in all these different categories? That was something I, you know, was probably 10 years in the, yeah, in the making right. for that. Um, but the spreadsheet product came out and then uh, got to work with a, this fantastic uh, developer, Tim Arnold, who was able to take those concepts of my, my coaching and in a much more elegant, functional, adaptive way than, you know, or be limited by spreadsheets, code them into the Juggernaut AI app, uh, which released in December, 2020. So that was, yeah, I mean, a, a two, work, working with Tim was about 10 months uh, of creation of that. And yeah, I can't sing his praises highly enough. I and mean, he's doing the work of like a team of developers. Like he was doing the work of like three or four people and just did a incredible job with it. What is Tim's background? Yeah, it's, it's varied. Uh, he's a self-taught in the, in the coding side of things. Uh, so his background would go from, uh, you know, English pub manager to DJ to, uh, graphic design to web design to app development. Uh, so yeah, DJ, DJ BFT, you know, really coming through on the app development side of things. I got introduced to Tim because he started out using some like a juggernaut club powerlifting coaching, uh, and then became one of Marissa into my girlfriend's, uh, one-on-one -on -one clients. 
and had helped her out with her website. And then as I was looking to, to redo some things about JTSstrength.com, she's like, oh, you should try out Tim. And he did a great job. And, and that was in early 2018 that we first worked together on just the website of things and just kept uh, growing and growing. Tim's maybe done two powerlifting meets, uh, which actually works out really well in our kind of creative process of, of looking at different features and, and functionality of the app because we have such different perspectives on the needs of the user that a lot of things that Tim as a, a much more beginner lifter thinks about, I haven't thought about in 10, 15 years and kind of, it wouldn't even cross my mind that people would think about it necessarily. Uh, but his is I think much more representative of, of a, a lot more of the, the population. Yeah, he probably doesn't have those PDFs stuck in his brain still either. Yeah. You released the app in December 2020. How does that compare to what it, what it is today? What sort of improvements or changes have you made? Yeah, so when we re released it, it was just powerlifting. Uh, since has been power building, which is like a powerlifting bodybuilding combination added to that. Um, then we also added... Uh, a totally a second app for the Juggernaut BJJ app, which is strength and conditioning for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, which, like I mentioned, has been a, a community I've been involved with from a coaching standpoint for now 13 years. Um, so mo most of the main functionality, you know, the improvements along the way in the, what is that, 18, yeah, like about 18 months since the first app came out have been much smaller in, in terms of just, you know, small feature updates and, and improving the functionality. And, and there's so much refining in the process before that, that, yeah, I feel like we had a pretty good grasp on what we wanted up front. Uh, so right now we're in the process of adding more developers, um, to work alongside Tim, cause that's the real bottleneck of, of things is, you know, when we laid out like all the ideas of new systems so like of different sports like a weightlifting super total kind of things uh new features like more specialty programs like bench only deadlift only push pull squat emphasis uh type of things and then uh you know then this kind of smaller tweaks whether that's like uh, incorporating velocity based training or these next main thing we have coming out, it's like these guided warmups and, and much more in-depth RPE uh, guidance and, and weight selection. And, and that's going to be really adaptive intra session, session to session. We ran into this bottleneck of, of development and development cost. Uh, anyone who's set out to make an app uh, knows that it's very expensive and it's even more expensive to do it well. And that's an, another reason why I'm so incredibly appreciative of, of Tim as I know that there are, you know, I look at other companies, apps and, and reviews and, and see, you know, buggy, buggy, buggy mm -hmm. kind of yeah. things. And that's something that we haven't really had to deal with because Tim just did such a fantastic job with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm so appreciative of, of the work that he did and continues to do for us. So yeah, next, next main things. Well, one is just a, this improved in-app tour. Um, 
is one of the biggest hurdles we have to really deal with is like customer education, helping them best understand how to get the most that they can out of the app is it, you know, while I think the user interface is pretty simple, there is a lot going on with it. And, uh, you know, they say you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Uh, you know, almost all the questions that we get about, you know, oh, how do I change this? How do I, you know, if, if it does this, what do I do kind of thing? Uh, we have answers for an FAQ section and in email, uh, campaigns like scheduled campaigns that go out to people after they sign up. But you know, unless you really put it right in front of their face, uh, some of those, sometimes people aren't, uh, taking the extra step. Uh, I don't even know if it's a full step really, but to, to seek out some of those answers. So, uh, trying to head them off at the pass with that, with the improve this, uh, in-app tour, and then we'll have a guided, guided warmups, um, and uh, RPE guidance is the next big things. And then we'll get into weightlifting. Strongman is actually probably the next one to be added and then weightlifting after that. Uh, but yeah, tons tons of stuff. Cool. So still a lot of focus on there. Yeah, uh, but there's years worth of development still to be done. What about the BJJ app? Is that like kind of the same interface and how do those workouts differ from the powerlifting one? Visually, it looks very similar. The user experience is, is very, uh, very similar. The training is quite a bit different because the, the goal is not to have the biggest squat bench and deadlift as possible, or to put on the most muscle as possible. It's to support their performance in, in jujitsu, uh, which is a, a lot more, it's just a, a different goal than, than just lifting the most weight possible. So. The Juggernaut BJJ app has kind of five main options. They can choose a strength focus program. They could choose a speed power focus program. They could choose an endurance focus program. Uh, if they feel like that they're, they're particularly deficient in any of those areas that that'll put them on like a six week training cycle specific to that and then progress them through where they finish six weeks of strength could go for another six weeks of strength, but it'll prompt them to go to speed power and to create kind of a, a, a periodized phasic structure to that. Uh, it's individualizing in the same way that the juggernaut AI is so much of it is built around what is the athletes MEV, their minimum effective volume and their MRV, their maximum recoverable volume. Those two landmarks kind of guide a ton of the training, uh, similar concept in the BJJ. It's just not as robust, um, you know, where in the Juggernaut AI powerlifting program, you could get like a 48 kilo class female lifter who's been lifting for six months and she's doing, you know, 20 sets of squats a week and you could get a 275, a 125 kilo class men's lifter who's been lifting for 10 years, you know, who's doing like seven squats, seven sets of squats a week and the different frequency and everything and exercise selection that comes along with that. Where in BJJ, it's just not nearly as broad a changes because they're not, you know, the training that they're doing with the app, their strength conditioning training is complementary to their jiu-jitsu. So, you know, like a low volume person might be doing three sets of squats a week and a higher volume person might be doing five or six sets 
a week. It's a much, it's much more constrained in that sense. So we also have, um, and, and the, the user base is much less experienced in lifting. Like even, you know, I, I've coached about mm, 25 world championships worth of jujitsu between, uh, athletes that I've, that I've coached and it is not uncommon to have a jujitsu black belt who has zero strength training experience. Wow. So, get, you know, and maybe they've done push-ups and pull-ups and, and abs and that kind of stuff, uh, but but very little exposure to that. And it's, you know, changing. It's not near as much like that now as it was 10, 12 years ago when I started with that community. But the training is simpler in that sense. Uh, it doesn't have to be as unique uh, exercise selection because we're not concerned with uh, this person is struggling with the lockout of their bench press. So we need to use this bench press uh, exercise to, to help them. It's more just like you need to do a pressing exercise, which one right. doesn't really matter that much. It's kind of like one that you like doing that you feel confident to do to move some weight and it doesn't it doesn't hurt because when your sport is people trying to break your arms, you know, your arms and shoulders tend to be a bit beat up. So it's different in that sense. So then we also have a tournament prep program for their, which for them, which, uh, you know, they put in the date of their tournament and it creates a, like a fully periodized plan to peak them for that. And then another one we call lifestyle, which is more for like a recreational, uh, jiu-jitsu athletes or so someone who's just training at their, at their school or academy, um, which is kind of a little bit of everything all the time. Um, so it's a more like concurrent training, like they get some explosive work, some strength work, some endurance work, all, all mixed in a lot of mobility to keep them healthy, but more for the crowd who's like, I'm not planning on competing. Maybe they're masters athlete. They're just like, I want to feel good, look good you know, be able to beat the guys at my school a little bit better and, and, uh, you know, just have this as part of my lifestyle. Awesome. Is there anything else in the works at Juggernaut or did you pretty much cover it all? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, we're, we're hiring right now, like I said, looking to hire a new developer, looking to hire some help with the marketing side of things is that's pretty much always just been something I've done right. based on intuition uh it's worked out pretty well but uh, you know a professional could probably uh be helpful there um but yeah just kind of continuing to grow that we're we're very passionate about making the best strength training apps that we can um you know when i, I listed off a lot of stuff that we're doing to, to improve the app and there's a lot of stuff that i didn't list there right the uh when it's all said and done, you know, it's going to be just a, a tool that back in 2009, when I started Juggernaut Train Systems, if you would have told me that this was going to be what we did one day, I would have thought you were crazy because mobile, app, mobile apps were barely even a thing, uh, you know, back in, in 2009. Um, yeah, I think Apple was still running like there's an app for that commercials. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't even something I could have conceptualized that we'd be, you know, a software company uh, at at this point, uh, more than more so than a sport performance gym. Um, but I love it because, you know, 
right now there's about 10,000 uh, active users to Juggernaut AI app. And, you know, we were never going to be able to help more than maybe 100, 150 people in that first gym that we had at any given time. So it's just been great to have the community grow so much. Right. Well, I mean, I love the app. If you could get it to pair with my Whoop, that would be incredible or something like that. I uh, hope that's kind of in the five-year yeah. kind of plan. But yeah, looking forward to seeing what you guys have. And then the last question I have here is just, obviously you got into the tech scene relatively early in, in terms of the fitness, at least from my viewing, a lot more emphasis on it right now. It seems like a lot more players are in it. It's integrated into a lot of machines now. What's your take on tech entering the strength training space? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, has great potential, obviously, to give athletes and coaches a lot of objective feedback uh, on what they're doing, how well it's working. If the coach or athlete knows what to do with that information, it's very powerful. There's a lot of situations where I think people are just getting a ton of information and not really doing much with it or being overwhelmed by the amount of information that they're kind of forgetting that an important part of this is training hard and it gets too consumed in, you know, what an HRV score or readiness score is for the day. And the, you know, the watch or device or app or whatever is telling them mm -hmm. to take an easy day and they don't feel like that that's warranted. And, you know, we get into things that are leading indicators and lagging indicators and that, you know, having, if we were thinking in the terms of like a red, yellow, uh, red, yellow, green, like a go slow down, stop situation that some people think that they're always supposed to be in mm -hmm. green and that's not how training is designed. You know, fatigue is a part of the, the process. And as we get into to functional overreaching and, and stuff like that, you know, you got to go into yellows and there might be a time where, where you're going to go into red and it's by design. And as long as you have the context of that, it can be, it can be really helpful. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's technology in the hands of someone who knows what to do with the information they're being provided is going to really be able to accelerate the quality of work being done. Um, you know, I'm excited for like a situation like we're in with Juggernaut AI, I said 10,000, 10, uh, active users means that as we look at the data of what volume of training people are doing, what exercises they're doing and that they're having the most success with. It's so exponentially beyond what is done in most like you know, research situations where you know, you'll read some of those papers and it'll be like 16 trained males kind yeah. of thing. And what they constitute as trained is a pretty low level. And it's like, well, how much can you really get from 16 people, we could do that with 1600 people, we could do it with 10,000 people, you know, with, with so much of this information to make much more powerful uh, conclusions from from what's being done. So I'm excited, you know, as we add to our team and can get even more into the data science space of things to, to be able to provide some of that stuff. I come from a marketing analyst type role and worked with some data scientists. And the stuff that they can do is pretty remarkable. And I imagine that they could do some pretty cool stuff with your data. Anyways, that's all I got. Anything else you want to talk about?
How are you doing, Jake? Can't complain. I'm good. Yeah. All right. Most people who are listening to this probably already know where to find you. I'll make sure to add that into the show notes and such. And um, hopefully we can catch up in uh, maybe uh, in six months or so. See how everything's going. Experiment 10, right? Is your coupon Experiment code? Experiment 10. Yes. Experiment 10 to save on the Juggernaut awesome. AI app at juggernautai.app. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you.